So we're up to in the story. We said that most um, Chassidim didn't have time to be Menachem Avil, all the sons of the Rebbe, with the exception of the Maril, because he was the only one who sat Shiva for the full seven days. Because everyone else only sat for a day and a half. Because once Pesach came, it was over, but he was away. So he only started sitting Shiva after Pesach. Now, over the years, the Maril was the son who traveled the most on behalf of the Tzemach Tzedek to, to speak to the Chassidim. And he would visit the very distant cities, wherever they lived. He would review the Maimorim for them, give brachas to anyone who needed. And he would report to his father, the Ruchni, the Gashmi, everything that's going on. And as a result, many Hasidim felt a closer connection to him than any of the other brothers. So during the Shiva, or as soon as he returned to Lubavitch, the question which was now on everyone's mind was discussed. Who would succeed the Tzemach Tzedek as a Rebbe? Since many of them had a close connection with the Maril, so the leading Hasidim discussed the matter and with, with him. Now, they didn't know that the Tzemach Tzedek already chose the youngest son, the Marash, to become Rebbe. These Hasidim thought that perhaps the Maril had been told something in this regard. And if the Tzemach Tzedek had not appointed anyone, they were hoping that he would agree to become Rebbe. And they mentioned that according to their understanding, the possibility was between the Maril himself and his brothers, Harav Yisrael Noyach and Harav Chaim Shner Zaman. These three brothers were the ones who, when uh, visiting different communities where Chassidim lived, would review the Maimorim that their father said. They would accept Chassidim in Yechidus. They would give brachas, advice. And the Hasidim started saying the qualities of each brother. They said, listen, we're not going to discuss your oldest brother, Harav Baruch Shalom, because he's the only son who, in his great humility, even refuses to review your father's memorum, the Rebbe's memorum. And he said straight out, there's no way he's going to become a Rebbe. So we're not even going to discuss him becoming a Rebbe. Additionally, we feel that Rav Yosef Yitzchak is not part of the equation because he's already the Rebbe in Avruch. And seeing that they didn't mention anything about the Maharash, the Maharil asked them, and uh, why aren't you discussing the younger one, the youngest one, right, my youngest brother? And they asked him, in a, like, they were like, what? He's someone to consider to become Rebbe? Like, they couldn't believe it. And many of them had no idea that the Maharash had begun saying Maimorim in Lubavitch during the last half year. That's the way his father instructed. Um, so they didn't understand. They, 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 in their head, the reason for the close connection between the Rebbe, Tzemach Tzedek, and the Marash was, oh, he's a Ben Skunim, right? He was born when his father was older. And the Maril said, you want to know if he's also a Parsha? Meaning if he's also someone to consider. He's an entire Sedra for himself. And the Maril knew the truth. He knew that the Marash had traveled to Petersburg, And out of the country, even though everyone always thought it was for doctors and doctors and doctors, 
he knew the truth that he was really on missions for his father that he was doing all these things and yeah he went to see the doctors too but that was just a, everything's just a cover he also recognized the greatness of his younger brother as evidenced by the following story once the Tzemach Tzadik sent the Maharil and the Maharash together on a community matter. And before leaving on the journey, the Maharash demanded from his older brother that he should refuse to give brachas to anyone who requested a bracha. And he said, if a person asks you for a bracha, you tell him there's only one Rebbe and that he or she should go to him in Lubavitch to request a bracha from him. Now, since the father instructed them to go together and the Maharash was demanding this condition, so the Maharil had no choice but to agree. So arriving in one community, many of the townspeople, knowing the greatness of these visitors, they come to request a bracha. However, to their astonishment and disappointment, the Maharil said, listen, we're presently on a mission from our father, the Rebbe. If you want a bracha, you go to him. And hearing this, the people sadly went home, wondering... Uh, you know, the last time the Maharil came here, he didn't say that. He gave us brachas. But whatever. As the brothers got onto the wagon to continue their journey, a woman comes running over, begging for a bracha. She said, I was married for many years and I don't have a child yet. And the Maharil told her the same thing he told everybody else. Go to our father, the Rebbe, in Lubavitch, and ask him for a bracha. And she said, listen, I, I can't travel to Lubavitch. I'm not able to travel to Lubavitch. I'm never going to make it there. And when she saw that her passionate pleas, she begging and begging, didn't change their minds. And they were mamish about to leave town without giving her a bracha. She took a long piece of wood and she shoved it between the spokes of the wheel, right? So where the wheel turns, there's like these uh, wooden, like uh, slats of wood, whatever it is, right? So she stuck it there so the wagon can't move. Um, and she said, I'm not letting you leave until you bench me. Finished. You're staying right here. So keeping his word, the Maril turns to his younger brother and he said, well, this is your fault because you told us we can't give a bracha. What do you want to do about it? You deal with this, this crazy lady who sticks a piece of wood in our carriage. Um, so the Marash also tried to convince her to go to their father, the Rebbe in Lubavitch. But seeing that she wouldn't give in, he turns to her and he says, go eat a bagel. Right now in Yiddish, that expression is like, go fly a kite in English, right? You would say, like, don't bother me, leave me alone. However, this woman sincerely believed that he was giving her a bracha. So she said, thank you so much. And she immediately takes the stick out of the wheel. And when she gets home, the first thing she did, the Rebbe's son said, eat a bagel. I ate, I'm eating a bagel. So the following year, the Maharil happened to visit that city again. And who greeted him? None other than this lady. And she says, I cannot begin to thank you enough. The bracha happened. I was benched with a newborn baby. And the Maharil wishes her a mazel tov and like in a little bit of a shocking type of situation. And he, he continues on his way. When he gets home, he goes up to Maharash and he demanded an explanation. He says, chutzpah, you tell me I'm not allowed to give brachas because there's only one Rebbe, but then you went and gave her a bracha. So Maharaj says, excuse me, I didn't give her a bracha. All I told her was, stop bothering us, go eat a bagel. Now in her 
because she was so simple and pure and MS, she took that to mean that I'm giving her a bracha. And, and that's what made it a bracha, is that she, in her head this was a bracha, and she mamish believed it, and that turned it into a bracha. So that was the story, right, that the, the, the Maharil was able to see that his brother is not as uh, simple as everyone's uh, making it, you know, as he's trying to pretend. Um, so the Maharil very well understood the greatness of his youngest brother. And he understood that the bracha obviously wasn't just because the woman was sincere. Because if I tell that to someone and they do it, meaning me, like Rabbi Hazan, right, it's not going to help, right? I don't have the power to do that. Um, so, he, he was very well able to see how special his brother was. Now, we're going to see soon that in the beginning there was no clear decision who should become Rebbe, especially because even though the Maharaj had these two letters from his father, basically saying very clearly that he should become the next Rebbe, because of his humility, he didn't publicize these letters. Um, so therefore, each Chassid of the Tzemach Tzedek just chose a son that he was closest to as his Rebbe. Since they were all reviewing Chassidis, they were all accepting people in Yechidis. These are things their father told them to do in, in his lifetime, so they continued to do it. And to the surprise of many, a number of the outstanding Hasidim publicized their view as follows. We feel that while all the Rebbe's sons are giants on their own, the true and only successor is the youngest son, the Rebbe Maharash. One of the Hasidim who publicly shared this opinion was the Hasid Reb Shmuel Ber Barasover. And, and he was known for his deep understanding of Hasidus. And he said, listen, I cannot tell you what to do, but I'm going to tell you a story. Years ago, he says, the Rebbe, that's a Masadek, once explained a certain concept of a mimer, which according to my understanding was a contradiction, was, was against something that says in Sefer Eitz Chaim, right, from the, the Arizal. So I approached each of the Rebbe's sons with my question, but none of them were able to solve the question to my satisfaction. And it didn't occur to me to even ask the youngest son, the Maharash. After all, he's still very young uh, and much younger than the other sons of the Rebbe, right? So two of his brothers, or three, were already married before he was even born. Right? So that gives you an idea of how much younger he was than the rest of his brothers. At that time also, he never publicly reviewed his father's memoirum. And he never showed like, that he understood chassidus in a deep way, the way the other brothers did. So I assume, just like everyone else, oh, he's just a sweet guy, you know. So deep in thought, I, I'm aimlessly walking around the town of Lubavitch, trying to work out the solution. And at one point, I noticed that I'm standing right next to the Maharaj's apartment. And it was almost midnight. The windows in all the other houses are dark, but a bright light was shining out of the large windows, one of the large windows of, this, of his house, his apartment. And I, I wanted to know what's going on at this late hour, so I decided to, to I'm gonna peek through the, the window shades over there to see what I could see, see what's going on. And to my astonishment and delight, 
I see, what's he studying? The very thing that's bothering me, Eitz Chaim, that the contradiction with, with the, what the Rebbe said. So I immediately walk over and I knock on the door and I just say, hey, it's me, Shmuel Bear. And a few minutes pass until finally the Rebbe Marash opens the door. He's wearing a, like, like, like a pajamas and he's rubbing his eyes as if he was about to go to sleep. And he says, oh, Shmuel, okay, why, why are you here at such a late hour? So I look at the table and I see that the light, the lamp that was shining very brightly uh, just minutes ago was now put out. And all of the table, I saw what it had before. When I looked through the window, it had an eight time on it. Now it had a Goyesh newspaper. Like Mamish, like a few newspapers just sitting there. No trace of the safer. And while I had seen him moments ago, like Mamish sitting there studying with all the, you know, chayas, now it looks like he, he's about to fall asleep. And I immediately realized that this, he's putting on a very big show over here. He's trying to hide his greatness from me. So I said to him, listen, you can't fool me anymore. A moment ago, I saw you studying and say for Eitz Chaim, and that's what's been bothering me. So either you explain this to me or I'm going to tell everyone who you really are. And the Maharaj says, this is, remember, Rabbi Shmuel Ber is saying this story over to the Chassidim. He says, you're probably referring to the contradiction between my father's mimer and what's written in Eitz Chaim. But the truth is, there is no contradiction at all. And he then started to explain to me the whole thing very clearly and at great length. And I was amazed because I never heard someone explain an idea so clearly. And, and something that was also so complicated. And he's just doing it like it's simple, you know. One plus one is two. What, how could you not understand this? And when he finished, he begged me not to tell anyone what happened. Because he said, I, I, I don't want anyone to know how much I know. And Taka, all these years I listened to him. I never told a single person what I saw. However, I'm now revealing this story because I feel everyone should know. Everyone talks about the Maharash as if like, oh, he just sits there and reads Gaisha newspapers, right? I, I want everyone to understand that it's all a show. So before choosing who you want to be the next Rebbe or your Rebbe, but again, the decision is yours. I'm not telling you what to do. This is a story. Another Elton Chassid who, uh, was connect who connected himself to the Rebbe Marash and accepted him as Rebbe was Rebbe Kusil Lepler. So Rebbe Kusil Lepler was already a very old Chassid by now because he was a Chassid of the Alter Rebbe. And the Alter Rebbe benched him that his Yetzirah should have no effect on him. Years later, you know what, we'll continue about Rabbi Yisrael Lepler uh, next time.